Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos. I'm Jay Dylan Proctor. This is a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. Here with me in Cord Purgatory is... Anthony Alegria. And it's wonderful to have Anthony back again. He spent a few days away during Holy Week. Anyway, so recently there was in San Bruno, California at YouTube's headquarters, there was a shooting that happened recently. And I wanted us to talk about this a little bit. Because the, the shooter, she actually did not match the typical profile that you would have of people who would commit this sort of things. And her name was Nassim Akdam, or however that may be pronounced. Um, if anyone wants to share with us the many pronunciations on that, please do. Anyways, so she basically, she goes to, to YouTube, and she went inside, and she managed to shoot at least three other people. I think there are three people who were in hospital, though she is the only casualty from this. She ended up taking her own life, or at least that's what we're being told at this point, that she took her own life. But some of the things that are interesting about this is, again, in our current world, there's a lot of controversy around what is good and what is evil in our world. It's clear that we see when something like this happens that this is evil, even though a lot of times people have a lot hard time using the language of evil. They might want to say it's hate or something like that. Anyways, it is clearly evil that this woman went into YouTube and she shot up. But then we have other questions which come around this. What caused this person to do this and how do we respond to this in a healthy and cohesive way? In the church, in the kingdom of God, we are called to be a people of blessing and we're called to proactively be interested in being a blessing. And of course, the idea of being a blessing means that we are people who create and preserve life. We're to be life-giving. Sometimes being life-giving means stopping threats and that means stopping people from doing bad things. In a situation like what happened at YouTube, it was a, a gun-free zone. I'm not sure that they had any... It doesn't appear that she was stopped by armed security. It appears that she took her own life. It doesn't seem that there was anybody who was there on the scene who could stop that before she injured three other people. However, that being said, it's just an interesting conversation. Anthony, what are your thoughts on this when we've initially heard about this most recent incident? Well, um, I think what's really interesting about that is, you know, there's a lot of people who have been legitimately um, censored by YouTube and things like that. And, yeah. you know, they didn't respond in this way. Well, the and reason why you bring this up is because her claims and the motives behind the attack seem to be, and just to get everybody up to speed on this in case you haven't heard a lot about this story, she was a person who had a YouTube account. She was producing content on YouTube, original content, I would like to add. She did, what, parody music videos. Um, she she had videos about animal rights and vegan-related yeah, videos. and promoting veganism. Yeah, so she was promoting veganism. She was promoting animal rights. And I think I've seen somewhere, which I know Anthony has some quotes up, that she had actually said for her, animal rights are equal to human rights. There's no barrier between the two. And therefore... She was saying that YouTube was censoring her content because they did not like the animal rights and vegan stuff she was promoting, and they were censoring her content. Therefore, she wasn't getting the correct number of views, which meant she couldn't monetize, and a lot of other problems came. Well, I don't, I don't um, have the quotes for visually um, to be visually available, but I can read them off real quick. So one of them is, you know, YouTube filtered my videos from getting views. There is no free speech in real world, and you will be suppressed for telling the truth that is not supported by the system. By the system, videos targeted, videos of targeted users are filtered and merely relegated so that people can hardly see their videos. And a quote from her father, I think it's um Isma Agdam, says that YouTube stopped everything, and now she has no income. Okay, so from this we can see she's 
been on YouTube for at least a while enough to, to invest heavily in this and to then see problems with this. What we see happening raises a lot of questions. How do we react to this? How do we prevent things like this from happening? Again, you can try to blame the medium. Again, she did not use an AR-15 or what people refer to as an assault-style rifle. It's actually quite rare that those are ever used in something like this. Um, she used a 9mm, a pretty common thing. How do we stop things like this from happening? A lot of people want to blame the medium, but again, it's a medium. Evil will always find a, me a way to manifest. And I think really the way that we stop stuff like this from happening is getting to the root cause of stuff like this, and it's personal issues that people have. You know, the gospel is all about personal transformation for people. Again, the very notion of being born again, that your fleshly circumstance doesn't matter, but your spiritual identity will be what matters in your life. People are called to personal transformation in the kingdom of God. Christ always meets people and moves them into transformation. We see from her situation, she had a crisis come in her life and she did not have the ability to cope with it. Again, a lot of times we see this. Suffering is indicative in life. I actually think Viktor Frankl states it quite well in his book, Man's Search for Meeting, that suffering is like a gas. really doesn't matter how much of that gas is in a room or whatever container it's in, it will always fill the volume of its container. If you've got a little bit of, of gas in a room, it will fill the whole room. If you've got a lot, it will still fill that room. Suffering is indicative in life. People need to know how to cope with things. Anthony. Well, you know, how she coped with it was certainly an issue. But I, th I think one thing that's in interesting is, is like, you know, how she attributed what she attributed the reasons to be. You know, maybe yeah. I don't know all the details or whatever. I, I don't think that YouTube has released a statement saying why they've um, demonetized her channel. But I will say that I think a lot of the system is behind um, promoting things like animal rights and veganism. Yeah. I don't think that any of the system is opposed to something like that. Yeah. And, you know, she's quoted here saying that, you know, she's a targeted user and that she's being suppressed because, you know, her truth isn't part of, isn't supported by the system. But I don't see that to be true at all, especially yeah. in somewhere like, you know, um, where did you just say San Bruno, California? Yeah, San Bruno, California. I, I do not, I do not find that to be a realistic claim at all. Well, either way, what we see happening here, I'm, I'm not going to spend too much time on YouTube side of this because I don't have enough evidence to make an articulated stance on that. However, from what we know of her, she obviously had some issues coping with what she felt like was an attack upon her. People need to be taught how to deal with this. We live in this world where everybody's like hypersensitive of bullies. Bullies are in the world. And sometimes they're active bullies, sometimes they're passive bullies, sometimes it's just institutions or bureaucracies which seem to want to crush the individual. Sometimes it's stuff in your own life which want to crush you. There's always stuff that's going to try to crush you in life. And as, as the people of God, we need to teach one another how to deal with this. Suffering's indicative. You've got to learn how to overcome it. But back to the whole issues of the red flags before this, you actually talked to the police a few hours before this happened, I think it was right at 11 hours before she went into YouTube and she started shooting up people. She had actually been reported missing. And the police, they went and found her in her car and they had a conversation with her. And again, they, they didn't see any red flags then. But I mean, it was obvious that she had been missing. Um, it's one of those things where I just wonder how, how did somebody find in that circumstance where they were missing enough that their family thought that something was outstanding enough that this would happen. And then when they're found, there's not enough follow-up on the family side. Again, I, I like the idea of family involvement. Why were they not spending enough time with her like, hey, you just went missing and it was so outstanding that we had to call the police on you. Why within 11 hours is she going from being found to shooting up a place? Yeah, I agree that um, if there was somewhere that 
could have been improved upon, I suppose it would have been in the family involvement. Because honestly, you know, thinking about like the cop's position here, you know, it's not like she was, again, this hasn't been reported, so it may have happened, but it's not like she was, you know, making open threats about coming onto yeah. some campus to shoot up YouTube or anything like that, or, um, you know, uh, otherwise openly displaying antisocial behavior like we've seen in the past where authorities have ignored that. So yeah. honestly, you know, I can't I can't really blame the um, police department for that because, you know, if I found someone who was, you know, reported missing in their car one morning, I'd be like, all right, they're having a rough time. You know, I'm not I, I would not suspect them of going to uh, commit some sort of shooting afterwards yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah I don't so think, I can't blame them for that. I wouldn't either. But again, my thoughts are just from the family side point, you know, it was so outstanding to you that it merited reporting or missing, but then not even a half a day later, which again, the time frame of this, how how did they not, how are they not still in her, her presence? Anyways, again, I'm not placing too much blame on the family because I don't know enough of the circumstance, though if blame and merit is due there, then we should have, um, we should have peace for them. And by peace, I mean, we should bring justice and, and say, look, we need transformation. We should deal with this rationally. We don't put undue blame and merit, but we put merit where it's due. Anyway, so as we come to this conversation, it really leaves us with the point, well, how do we deal with these situations where there's clearly evil that's gone on? What do we do? And again, I think the answer to this really goes down to, we can't have a macro top-down approach, which is going to stop stuff like this from happening. It has to be at the local level, at families dealing with this. It has to be at the local level where when law enforcement actually get red flags, like what we've seen in Florida with the, the Parkland shooting, um, people need to follow up on those and families need to be involved in building good moral architecture within their family structure and giving people the, the mechanisms to actually cope. I think the veganism thing is also quite interesting. I've been saying for a long time that the vegan whole vegan mentality and animal rights thing is, is a, a religion with more devout followers of that religion than perhaps even most Christians are devout in their own faith. We see what happens here is, again, she has a moral architecture built around these things. You can already see the moral conviction when she makes the statement, animal rights is equal to human rights for me. There's moral conviction in that. And she has moral conviction about what she's doing online. And she feels like that's been rejected. And it takes people to a, a place of great chaos. So we need to see the red flags of that. And again, we need to move away from all of these crazy, incoherent, secular religions. And by secular, I mean they do not have God at the center of them. They have other things placed there as transcendent. We need to get back to actually having good, solid moral architecture, which which comes from God, which puts God at the role of being transcendent and, and moves from there. Well, do you have any final thoughts on this conversation, Anthony? No, honestly, I just, um, you know, thinking about this is, it's very, very interesting to me that, you know, so, someone who would seemingly be so far um, liberal to be, uh, to, to name it, but someone who would seem to be so far liberal would take such means like this, yeah. you know, and um, it just, uh, it's it's very interesting to me. And like you said, it is, it is very religious as well, or zealous. Zealous yeah. would probably be the best way to term it, but it, it's a very, very um, zealous thing to happen. Yeah. And, and on that note, I know I said I was going to wrap up, but my final thoughts are faith and religion are not the same thing. Yeah. Anyways, stick around, enjoy our content, please. Please subscribe to our channel. We thank you so much for joining us here at Kingdom of the Lagos.
Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. I'm Jay Dylan Proctor, and back with me today in Cord Purgatory is Anthony. And it's great to have Anthony back. And I thought Anthony would have more to say about that. Um, yes, it really is wonderful to have Anthony back. Uh, I know not everyone sees everything that goes on behind the scenes, but he does a lot of work. He's great. Um, that being said, today I want us to talk about a incident where a university's ad was flagged on Facebook. And it was a Christian university who had a theological program. They were putting out an ad for that, trying to get people interested in that. And it was flagged as being shocking, sensational, or excessively violent content. This is what Facebook said to the particular university, which was Franciscan University of Steubleville, located in Ohio. And they rejected their, their ad for their theological program. And it is worth noting that that's basically what it was. It was an ad for a theological program. It had a picture of Jesus on the cross within it. It was a 12th century depiction of Christ on the cross. It was a rude cross to be particular. And that's rude spelled R-O-O-D, not R-U-E-D-E. But anyways, this particular image, not even, not really one of the more graphic depictions of Christ on the cross. We actually have a, a copy of this in the, the tweet that the university had put out in response to this. Yeah, and I will say to add to that, this is probably like, as far as violent things or sensual things on Facebook, this is the least of both that I can think of. Yeah, but I do like how the university responded to this. Uh, they basically were like, yeah, the cross is shocking, sensational, or excessively violent. That's sort of the whole thing with it. And this really takes us to a broader conversation about how our culture relates with Christianity, the, the world is really shifting a lot, and most of, the, most of the secular world in Silicon Valley, places like Facebook, Twitter, a lot of these places are very secular, and there's the, the looming question on how hostile are these people towards Christianity. I know for a lot of people in the church, they've been debating, you know, how hostile are they? Was this done on purpose? Why exactly was it that they rejected this ad? Now, it is worth noting that Facebook actually come back to the table a few days later. There were a couple of different sites that put out articles about this. The Daily Mail was one of them and the Daily Wire both put out a article about this. And Facebook came back and said, oh, we're sorry, it was a mistake. But we're sort of at this weird place where, was it a mistake? Why was it that this ad was rejected? I know, Anthony, you had some thoughts about this as well. Well, there's a couple things that I think are interesting about this. One is that, you know, I mean, all right, so this is an ad, right? And it, obviously it made it to the advertising stage, I guess, you know, whenever it's actually exposed to people. So at that point, this university has paid money for this well, to be out, right? They're it's, submitting it. Sort of like, oh, okay. yeah, they've submitted the money for the ad, but it was rejected. So they, Facebook didn't actually, I think, take the money initially, but okay. they did reject it as an ad. Okay, because some, some social media places have been accused of accepting money for advertising and then rejecting the yeah. advertisement afterwards. But um, in any case, you know, I will say that it is a sad thing that we can accept the apology, but then it's like, was that a mistake? You know, I think it's interesting that they yeah. worded that like that too, you know. The, it's, the fact that it's unclear, and there is evidence to suggest that a lot of these places are hostile to Christians. And again, I don't like it when people like to play the victim card. Um, we live in this world where people like to diminish personal responsibility. They want to blame everything on external sources. It is possible this is a mistake. Personally, I really don't buy it, but either way. It takes us to the place of how do we bring cohesion back to our culture? We have a really interesting situation in our culture because our culture has a hard time dealing with good and evil. They have a hard time figuring out 
proper morality and they want to push things like Christian morality away. But then when bad things happen, they a lot of times like to pick and choose. And you see politicians, they take the Lord's name in vain. They, they call upon the name of God and Christian virtues when it's important or when it's conducive to them. However, in areas where they feel like it's unimportant or they feel like they don't like the Christian virtues, then they want to push them away and, and vilify them. We, in our culture, we have this new sort of off-brand version of bad and evil known as hate, which is loosely defined and very incoherent. The term hate itself is very subjective, and it can be modified and molded to serve whatever need the wielders of the word want at that given moment. But we're in this place where people really can't tell good and evil, and they can't tell if something is violent or if it's just ideas they don't like. And we've really seen Facebook do a lot, and a lot of the online companies, and again, right now we're preparing a video to go on Facebook, we see a lot of these companies which feel that they have some more moral obligation to censor certain things. If they find certain ideas are hateful or inappropriate or not lined up with their metric of social justice, they feel completely compelled to, to censor them. Anthony. I think um, one thing that's interesting about this discussion about um, our culture moving away from things that are objectively evil to things that are centered around hate. Hate is bad. Objective evils aren't really a thing anymore. It's about, you know, whatever is hateful, that's the bad thing. Yeah. I think what's interesting about that is, like, there's a general trend to moving towards how someone or someone else feels about things. You know, like, what's good is based on how that person feels. And I think it's interesting to see that it's taking a a similar digression in what is bad. So bad is not really based on, like, objectively bad things. It's just going to be based on how people feel about those things, which is why I think hate was a really, really good description in that because a lot of times people are upset about hate. And, you know, hate's not really definable. It's more based on how people feel yeah, about and it's, something. And the problem you get with, with hate and this idea of it's how people feel is you're separating causes and effects. You're basically saying, we have an effect. I feel bad. You did something that I don't like. Therefore, I can ascribe whatever cause I want to that. It has no consideration of the person's actual motive. And we see this with the language of hate. They call people hateful who may have zero hateful intention inside them. Now, there are, of course, are people who are hateful, and a lot of times we see people who are hateful, the ones who are claiming victimhood. We see this really bizarre flipping of of reality into this narrative-based, conceptualized world where it's not centered around facts. It's not centered around anything that's objective. It's all about how do I feel? Do I feel like you've done something? And it's it's really terrible. Yeah, I completely agree. It's just weird. Like, I've I've noticed before that... um what is good has started to become based on, you know, how you feel about it, how I feel about yep. it, how whoever this person is feels about it. That's their good. But now it's it's so interesting to see that, like, what is bad is now starting to be based on not just how you feel about it or, like, how the most people feel about it, but just, like, you know, how anyone feels about it. That's what defines what's bad, and I yeah, think it's, that's interesting. It's it's moldable. I think we can come in agreement that says what is good and bad has got to a place where it's not connected to truth, it's not connected to objective reality, it's moldable, it's whatever people want to push their agenda. And a lot of this has to do with escaping checks and balances. They don't want anybody to be able to, to debate them. They want to, to be able to do whatever they want without any consequences. Um, so we're in this new world, and especially as we come to this this place where Facebook, they rejected this ad, though they did later change that. Um, who knows? Maybe they would have, maybe they wouldn't have without a lot of people writing articles and talking about this like we are now. 
But we as Christians, we really have to push back against this. We need to be people who are proponents of truth and saying, look, we, we need to be people who are have inquisitive minds. God calls us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Don't just conform to the world. Go out, be investigative. Again, rationality, reason, these are divine gifts. Wisdom itself is a divine gift. If God is is one who uses his will to bring things into to creation, and God is logical, again, Christ is even defined as being the logos. If there is logic inherent in the nature of God, we are created in God's image. We ourselves should be logical people. We shouldn't just want to create tools to shut things down. Again, always very skeptical of people who are all obsessed about what story someone has or what narrative they have. All these are people who want to move away from reality. They want to move to, to fantasy land, and that's a bad, bad thing. Well, I think, um, you know, to support your argument, it's, I mean, definitionally, if you prefer a story or a narrative to reality, that's exactly what you're doing. You're, yeah. you're, you're pursuing a fantasy. So I think, like, you know, there's someone who might think that those are negative connotations, you know, they may, they may sound negative, but definitionally, that's exactly what's actually Yeah, it really place. is. That's, I mean, that's definitely what it is. And I would like to say this, and I just want to be clear. The kingdom of God is a reality, not just a narrative. We may all have our own narratives in life. We may have our own theologies that are pulled from the reality that is the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God, Christ's holy church, first and foremost, is a reality. It is not first and foremost a narrative. It is a reality, and the narratives are secondary to that reality. Well, another thought that I have, and we're going to wrap up our conversation on this ad with this thought. There's this new emerging narrative that Christians are privileged. They have Christian privileges, and this is just absurd. The entire privilege mentality is centered around destroying personal responsibility and personal agency. And again, I think that's ridiculous. However, I bring that up because I want to throw this out there to you. I know there are a lot of you out there, and I'm happy to see we've gotten new new people who are members of the Church of the Nazarene who are watching our content. Uh, send us some feedback. Send us comments or, or questions on your thought on the idea of Christians have privilege in the world. Do you feel as you're a Christian you have privilege in the world? Or do you feel like you're someone who, if you try to put an ad online that has Christian content, you're more likely to be rejected because of that? Because it looks like the evidence as it comes in is not that Christians have privilege, but in fact, Christians have quite the opposite. I don't know. Send me your thoughts. Are Christians privileged? Yes or no? Um, and we'll, we'll go from there. Or just give me your, your general thoughts on our culture. We'll have a conversation. I really like seeing those people in our local area around here, whether it be in Springfield, Ashland City. Those of you who watch, we appreciate that. It's wonderful that, that we can have these conversations. And on that, we'll wrap it up. Have a blessed day.